Welcome back to episode 39 of Nobody Asked You, Kevin. Uh, Think of some of the really good horror films we've gotten over the past few years. So, films like Happy Death Day, Super Dark Times, Get Out, Hereditary, Summer of 84, Overlord, Upgrade, A Quiet Place, Us, Midsummer, Haunt, One Cut of the Dead. Each one of those is an excellent horror film. But unfortunately for every one of those that we get, we get five bad ones. So The Grudge's uh, Sidequel remake that we just got, which was horrible. The Black Christmas in-name-only remake from the end of last year, which was horrible. The Curse of La Llorona, which we got a year or two ago, horrible. The Nun. Horrible. So, again, for every good horror movie, we have several bad ones. And unfortunately, today, I'm talking about a new horror film, which is called The Turning. And I'm going to have a little bit of a 10-minute movie review here, which I doubt will be 10 minutes. It will probably be substantially longer than 10 minutes. But there will be spoilers in this episode, so let's sound that alarm now. Spoilers. Uh, We need to talk about what this movie is based on. And this movie is based on a horror ghost story called The Turn of the Screw. And The Turn of the Screw is, like I said, a gothic horror ghost story. It was written by Henry James all the way back to 1898. It's very generally, it's a story that takes place on a remote estate where a governess cares for two young children, a boy and his younger sister. And over time, the governess becomes convinced that the grounds of the estate are haunted. So as she spirals in and out of control, she, get, she begins to believe that the ghosts are possessing the children. And in the final act of the story, the governess makes the girl say the name of her former teacher, who the governess then essentially is, believes is possessing her. So the girl says the name and the ghost's possession is over. The ghost is removed from the girl's body. But the governess does the same with the boy, and he dies in her arms. And then the story ends. Story is over. It ends. And over time, the story has been interpreted differently. The the crux of the matter is basically, are the ghosts part of the governess's mind and not actually a part of reality? Or, in in basically shorter words, Should the governess's sanity be questioned in this story? There is never any direction given as to whether um, she is correct about the possession and the ghosts, and if there were actually any ghosts at all. 
or if she was losing her mind, losing her sanity, becoming insane as the events of the story played out. The story itself, it it plays upon something called the unreliable narrator, which is a phrase that was actually coined decades later in the 1960s by a a guy named Wayne C. Booth. An unreliable narrator is someone, um, a, a, a narrator or a person whose credibility has been compromised. And sometimes this means the narrator, in a story, the narrator will open up the story with statements and claims that are lies or delusions. Other times it means the narrator will be involved in some sort of twist ending where a revelation about the narrator is revealed at the end of the story. Many times the ending is left open for the consumer, the watcher, the viewer to ponder and wonder how much the narrator of the story should actually be trusted and how the overall story is interpreted is very much open to discussion. This is very much the appeal of stories that use this sort of tool, the unreliable narrator. It remains open to discussion. And films that you may have heard of or saw in the past that used this unreliable narrator perspective include 1941's Citizen Kane by Orson Welles, uh, Brian Singer's The Usual Suspects from 95, David Fincher's Fight Club from 99, and honestly, when you think about it, even the Joker movie from 2019, Todd Phillips did use an unreliable narrator perspective. Like I said, this was a novella. It was a short story. Uh, The Turn of the Screw. It's been adapted many times for stage, for radio, for movies, the cinema, and TV. In in my opinion, the most well-known film is probably from 1961. It's called The Innocence, and it starred Deborah Kerr, Michael Redgrave, and Megs Jenkins. The screenplay for The Innocence was adapted by William Archibald, And one guy named Truman Capote. You probably have heard that name. Uh, The film was directed by Jack Clayton, who was also pretty famous throughout time for doing Room at the Top, The Great Gatsby, uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes, and Memento Mori. So that really just sets the stage for this new film, the 2020's The Turning, a new adaptation of The Turn of the Screw. So let's first listen to the trailer for the movie, and then we'll get into it. Have you ever been a nanny? This is my first live-in job. Well, I hope you know what you're doing. The children are very special, Kate. They're thoroughbreds. Jeez, your friends must love it here. I have no friends. You have no friends? Yep. Well, you have one now. (laughs) Maybe. May I ask how the parents died? Well, Miles. Nothing should have to suffer. It's not that simple. I don't go in that part of the house. Why not? Don't wanna. Hello? (gasps) 
shouldn't be in here. What happened to your last nanny? Like I'd tell. You need to take charge here, Kate. I know what you're afraid of. Keeping the lights on won't keep you safe. Can you please stop? You're gonna leave me, aren't you? I'm not going anywhere. Promise, promise? Cross my heart and hope to die. Everyone dies, Miles. Did you see them? I don't want to play anymore. Hey, why are you doing this? Stop now. Bad dreams? <laughs> so that was the trailer for The Turning. Uh, the movie itself uh, is directed by someone named Floria Sigismondi. She's best known for directing the 2010 biographical drama movie The Runaways, which was uh, about the 1970s rock band The Runaways. So think Joan Jett, Sherry Curry, Lita Ford, Jackie Fox, Sandy West, the rock band The Runaways. Uh, she's also uh, directed uh, episodes of The Handmaid's Tale for Hulu, American Gods. Uh, she's in my opinion, probably more well-known for making music videos for various musicians and bands. And I know this is kind of a bit of a tangent because we're, not, we're supposed to be talking about the turning, but uh, some of my favorites of her work in, in music videos, she did Marilyn Manson's The Beautiful People video. She did Filter and the Crystal Methods' Can't You Trip Like I Do. She did Incubus's Megalomaniac, The White Stripes' Blue Orchid, and then um, Muse's Supermassive Black Hole. And I, I love that song so much. But uh, she is, in my opinion, is more well-known for her music videos and not necessarily a movie or film director. And like I said, this is her second feature film as director. Only her second. The film is written by Carrie and Chad Hayes. And they are best known as writers for the, the first Conjuring film. The Turning stars a few different actors. Uh, Mackenzie Davis as Kate Mandel. Finn Wolfhard as Miles. Brooklyn Prince as Flora. Jolie Richardson as Darla, who is Kate's mother. And then Barbara Martin as Mrs. Gross. So this movie is PG-13 rated. It's only about 94 minutes long. Has an estimated budget of between 10 and 14 million dollars. So it's pretty low budget when you think about it. And unfortunately, the turning is not being received very well by critics and audiences. Just a day after opening, because I'm recording this a day after it opened, it currently has a 14% rotten rating on Rotten Tomatoes has an average rating on Rotten Tomatoes of 3.7 out of 10 for critics. The audience score of people who have seen the movie, 15%, with an average rating of 1.64 out of 5. Not very good. 
over at Metacritic. It has a meta score of 34, which means it's pretty much being reviewed as generally unfavorable. And it over at IMDb, it has a 3.9 out of 10 rating. So again, not being well received by critics and audiences alike. So you're probably, we're here for my thoughts. So what are my thoughts? Um, the film is set during the 90s, which I found was weary, very pretty weird. Um, and the way they decided to show the time period was a bit off-putting to me. Uh, they framed it around Kurt Cobain's suicide. So, uh, like I said, it was a bit off-putting, and it kind of took me out of the movie because it's it's kind of a, it's a gothic horror movie, and by framing it in the 1990s, it just did not fit very well to me. But overall, I will say that the first two thirds of this movie are pretty good. The scenery is excellent. The sets are beautiful in a dark gothic way. Uh, the cine- cinematography is top-notch, in my opinion. The film leverages both uh, the darkness of the winding halls and staircases and rooms of the mansion that they're in, the estate, and then the openness and often quite eeriness of the outside grounds of the mansion and the estate. So places like a koi pond, a hedge-type labyrinth, and an unkempt swim- swimming pool. It's filmed very well. The mood is set but well, scene after scene after scene. It's dark, it's gloomy, there's just just despair in the air. It's set very well. And the story moves along nicely. Though Kate, Mackenzie Davis's character, makes some really dumb decisions that are not well explained or, or reasoned through, I think. But this is a horror movie, so I mean that can be overlooked. She doesn't ask the right questions, and she honestly barely asks any questions at all, which is dumbfounding to me as a viewer, but again, this is a horror movie. One thing important to mention about this film is they've aged the kids a bit over what they were in the written story, and it works well for the most part. Um, It gets a bit creepy, in a sense, towards the middle of the movie, when you start to watch Finn Wolfhard's Miles character. He kind of goes a little weird pervert. A little bit on Kate and does a few things that just made me shake my head. I'll let you figure that out when you watch the movie, if you watch the movie, but I just shook my head a little bit on some of those pervy things. Is he a teen, typical teenage kid or is he just, is there something else going on there? I don't know, but I mean, overall, like I said, the first two thirds of the movie, I enjoyed. Um, the movie itself, overall, a bit frustrating, I guess, is what you what I would call it. Uh, but it's fine. I mean, it's a really good movie, in my opinion, until the ending. As we've already talked about with the original story, the, the original story's ending was ambiguous. This ending is not. Or, or maybe it is, but not in a good way. It's ambiguously bad, in my opinion. So... Let's just talk about, and these are spoilers. Again, we already sounded the spoiler alarm. But at the end of this film, Kate receives an envelope from her mother, um, who has been living in what I would assume is some sort of psychiatric facility. Uh, The envelope contains paintings that her mother has created. And Kate looks at these paintings. She pulls them out of the envelope. She looks at these paintings. And then she has visions of ghosts, including one vision that is, is kind of um, 
disturbing for a PG-13 rated movie, I thought. It didn't really show anything, but it hinted at something. And it hinted at that there was a rape of the former governess by a man named Quint, who was, I believe, the former groundskeeper of the mansion or the estate. Um, So Kate freaks out. She takes Flora and Miles to her car. She leaves with them in the car. They get to the front gate. There's some drama that happens. They get the gate open. She drives through it, and they escape into the darkness of the night. Or so you think. And I really thought the movie was over at that time. I thought they had escaped, and they were leaving, and that was the end of the movie. Except the camera zooms out at that point. And you see that the car's headlights are actually part of one of the paintings that Kate's mother had sent. So now we're back in the room with Kate looking at the painting. And Kate is bickering with Mrs. Gross, who basically quips about her her mom's uh, mental illness potentially being hereditary or genetic. She makes a comment about that. Hopefully it's not genetic. Um, Kate confronts Miles and Flora and tries to get them to tell her that they see the ghost too, um, but they refuse to tell her, and they actually turn on her and, and start to like attack her with words and belittle, belittle her. Uh, she, Kate herself ends up just kind of defeated in the fetal position at the bottom of the stairs. Then <laughs> Kate wakes up in a large bed at the bottom of the pool, that her mother was painting in in the psychiatric facility. So I didn't say that earlier. Uh, in the psychiatric facility, it was showing showed earlier that uh, Kate's mother was in a, a uh, abandoned drained pool in this facility, and she was using it as almost like her painting studio or painting room. But Kate wakes up in this large bed that is sitting in the bottom of the pool where her mother was painting. Um, she gets out of the bed. She sees her mom across the way. She walks over to her mom. Her mom is crouched on the ground. Uh, Her mom asks her if she saw her pictures and then turns around. Kate sees her mom's face, screams, and then the end. Credits roll. Yeah, you heard me right. Credits roll. The ending is something else. The credits roll, and I'm left thinking to myself, huh. What the fuck did I just watch? And it's not in a good, what the fuck did I just watch, hereditary or midsummer type way. The ending doesn't make you think at all. And it's very, very, very frustrating to me. The film sets up the the preceding events very, very nicely. And it's a really good movie, in my opinion, up until this point, the very, very end. But... Again, it sets it up nicely, but it doesn't follow through at all. The ending is unsatisfying, and it's the probably one of the most unsatisfying endings I've seen in quite some time. And actually, when I just reviewed The Grudge on my blog, I called that movie's end one of the worst endings to a horror film, horror film that I've seen in a quite a long time. And this one has it beat now. This one is the absolute worst ending that I have seen to a horror movie in quite some time. So again, the first two-thirds of the movie, great. The last third, plus the ending, shit. So ultimately, I give this film a Nobody Asked You Kevin rating of loathe entirely. Hate, hate, hate. Hate, hate, hate. Double hate. Loathe entirely. 
And that's because of the ending. If the ending had been different, it would have gotten probably a good rating for me. Potentially, I mean, depending on how good the ending would have been, potentially even a sh- the shit rating, the highest rating I could give. But no, the ending happened. And then it happened, and it happened again. There was those like two or three endings. So loathe entirely. Which makes me a bit sad, because this sort of film has so much potential. So much potential. And I really hope the second season of Haunting of Hill House, which I didn't mention this earlier, but it's called The Haunting of Bly Manor. And I hope it's better than this, because that Haunting of Bly Manor is actually based on the turn of the screw story as well. But... I trust Mike Flanagan a lot more than I trust this director. Mike Flanagan's made some really good films. Oculus, Hush, which I think is a complete sleeper film. Many people don't know it. If you want a good horror film, low-budget film, go watch Hush. Dr. Sleep was good. And of course, the first season of Haunting of Hill House was fantastic. People, there's so much good horror out there. But this adaptation, sadly, is not one of those films. So that definitely wasn't 10 minutes. It was actually about 19 minutes. So uh, some upcoming horror films that I'm actually looking forward to seeing in 2020 over the next few months when they debut here. um, Gretel and Hansel. I saw a trailer for that before the turning movie. And that looks really good. A really good take on uh, Grimm's fairy tale, Hansel and Gretel. The Lodge looks intriguing. Bloomhouse's Fantasy Island, I think looks very stupid, but I'm still going to watch it, so I'll report back later. A Quiet Place Part 2 looks fantastic. That trailer, that first trailer, looks fantastic. Antlers, that um, new take on the Wendigo myth, looks awesome. And then the Antebellum movie, which I'm not even sure what to make of that. But it stars Janelle Monet, so I'm in 100% on that. Uh, but ultimately, we have a lot of good horror films coming out. And I hope we're, we're out of the stretch of terrible horror films. I hope most of these are good to really good, so they'll get a good rating from me, or they'll get the shit rating from me. I really hope... These are really good. So with that, I'm going to end this 10-minute movie review. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter at Forensic Talks Guy. The show is at AskKevin. On Facebook, go search for the Nobody Asked You Kevin podcast page. Give it a like. Email me at NobodyAskedYouKevin at gmail.com. Hit up the blog at NobodyAskedYouKevinPodcast.blogspot.com. And lastly... Leave a podcast review at Apple Podcast if you can. Greatly appreciate it. So until next time, my friends, much love to all of you. I appreciate anyone that listens to this podcast. Peace. <laughs>